freaking out of? This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man. Don't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Brock, so many directions to go uh, uh, starting off here. And by the way, Justin, I got that echo back in my ear. I don't know what's going on. Oh, nice. But uh, let's start with the quarterback. You want to start with the quarterback? <laughs> Is water wet? Is Pope Catholic? Or Brock either. <laughs> Does a one-legged right. duck swim in a circle? Oh. Can you hear me, Justin? I got nothing. Can Justin what hear are we going to do, Justin? We can hear each other here, so we're working on it. So All I'll right. go for it. I just hear a lot of me <laughs> and no Brock. Uh-oh. But you can hear Brock? <laughs> sure can. Should I shut up and let Brock talk? No. I think I've been talking for the last hour. Nobody Uh-oh. wants to hear from me anymore. Brock, what would you think of the game? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, man, that is exactly what the doctor ordered, man. Did they, did they need that? Uh, this, they being everybody, I think they being the young players for the Seahawks, they being this coaching staff, they being Seahawk fans, they being you and I and Maura and Justin. I think that pronoun, you know, just kind of encapsulates everybody in in the market. And and Gino, if you want to start with Gino, my gosh, other than the sack at the end of the game, I, I don't know if there was a negative negative play on his entire grade sheet. I mean, he was he. I, I'm I'm going through the game, rewatched it last night. I mean, I don't remember a just a, a really off miss throw. Sure, he had a couple incompletions, but he got the ball out. His play action game was spot on. Uh, I, yeah, other other than the sack where he just kind of got confused, I think about the time and place. Outside of that, Salk, I'm, I, it's tr- he truly didn't have a critical error. I know that he took one sack. There were no turnovers, no fumbles, no interceptions. Back to back games that Geno and this entire offense has not put the ball on the ground and given it to your opponent. And that's why you won. You took it from them three times. So outside of the sack, I, I, I can't remember a negative play. So and that is Brock so hard to do at the NFL level. Yes, Brock, I can you hear, hear you. Me? All right. yep. I still am hearing the echo, and I can't hear you, but I can kind of – I heard what you said just through my computer. So I, let, me, let me throw it back to you this way. I was sort of thinking about the things that matter to me in quarterback play. Ways mm-hmm. we judge quarterback. I judge them by wins. I know a lot of people don't, but okay, wins one. How you play in the big moments, two. Decision making, three, and elevating those around you. Yep. Didn't Gino check all four of those boxes <laughs> yesterday? Uh, yeah, I think he double checked a few of them. Yeah, I, I think he absolutely mission accomplished in. The most hostile environment. I mean, it's not very many times that you hear Tom Rinaldi on the field, Greg and, and Kevin up in the booth going, good Lord, this place is loud. It is absolutely rocking. Started of the game, second half of the game, overtime in the game. So you are talking, Salk. This isn't COVID here. This isn't going in there and operating when everything is quiet, when the circumstances are easy. Your back's against the wall. You can't go 0-2. Desperation is high. Detroit is moving the ball. I mean, credit your defense for taking it away three times for two extra stops on fourth down. So you could almost call it five times that, you know, they, they stopped them in critical moments and gave you chances. But, yes, he checked every single one well, of those boxes. And, and, and the biggest one, Brock, was probably the last one of making 
making the people around him better, yep. right? I mean, he played that game with two backup tackles. You, I mean, there's a lot of, of things to, to to talk about from Gino in that game, but if in week one my biggest criticism was he didn't elevate the folks around him, I don't think I could say that yesterday. I thought exactly the opposite. He took guys that didn't look ready for primetime a week ago and made them look like starters in the NFL. They didn't give up a sack until the last two minutes of the game. Yeah, and that sack was on him. I mean, that was not even on those guys. That that sack was totally and completely on him, as I said, just kind of losing track of time and space and moment. You know what he was trying to do to make them call a timeout before the two men, but yeah, I mean, they were they were tremendous. And and I don't know. Give me your four boxes again. Go ahead. I'm gonna write these down as I usually doodle during the show. Go ahead and give me your four boxes. Okay, number one. Oh, I got myself perfectly. Brock sounds good as well. Nice. Oh, we here got everything we go. Fixed here we go. Okay, okay give, me, right. give me those four here boxes Here we go. Again. Box yes. number one wins. Yep. Did they win? Yep. Okay. Box number two. How do you play in the big moments? Okay. Box number three, decision-making. Mm-hmm. And then finally, elevating those around you. And for this game, Brock... I'll throw in one little extra thing I thought Gino did well, and that was overcoming adversity. There you go. That's right? my fifth Be- box. Right, because the, you look at what happened, and I, I thought this was the best opportunity to see it. That stupid grounding call, that was a terrible call. Yep. I, I, I mean, that's like an unconscionably bad call. What happens after it? That forces them into second, second and 20, and 20 mm-hmm. right? The next few plays, Gino scrambles for 12. I'm sorry, scrambles for 15. Yes. Then scrambles again for seven, only to have it called back because of a stupid illegal formation. Now it's third and 10. And what does he do? Tyler Lockett, no problem. Pick up 12 yeah. yards, finish the drive with a touchdown. I thought that was as big as anything he did in the game. Yeah, the only thing that was missing right there that I was looking forward to, but Gino couldn't do it back to Pete. Because remember down in L.A. against the Chargers, there was a horrible call, and Pete got in his whole little zen moment to calm Gino. Pete had lost his freaking mind. He was sprinting around on that sideline like a wet hand, deservedly so. He's given that old man side judge, maybe maybe the only guy on the field older than Pete, he's given that guy the business. He's screaming at everyone, happy birthday, Pete, turned 72 last week. He is out of it, and it would have been so good if Gino would have turned to Pete. And especially after he scrambled and just given him one of those, hey, bro, I, I got you. Zen. I got you covered. Yes, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to respond. You're 100% right, man. Just responding to adversity. And the other adversity, of course, is they choked away a 10-point lead late that he had something to do with. And yep. he gets the ball in overtime and comes back and does exactly what you want him to do. Gosh, it was so, so money. So absolutely money. I mean, as, as I said, I don't know QBR and, and you know, the next level stats and, and I, and I can look at QB rating and he may have had some games last year, QB rating wise that were higher because he threw three or four touchdowns, but honest to goodness. I mean, I, I can't remember. Maybe the text toy can. Maybe the text, co- text toy or coach out there can, can text into the show. 866-979-3776. Tell me another negative play outside of the sack. And obviously it was a critical one. 
and you never want to back up to the two-yard line in that moment. But I cannot think of yeah. It was a, sort of the only major issue yes. that he had. I mean, he. I mean, you could pro- if you really wanted to quibble, right? You could say, okay, you you threw to this guy instead of that. There's probably a couple of plays you could point to. Maybe, but I, I think I'm with you, Brock. That was that was a heck of a well played football game by the quarterback and by the guys around him offensively. I mean, huge credit to the two tackles who stepped up and the other guys yep. on that offensive line. He had all kinds of time to throw. I thought they did a great job. Huge credit to the guys on the outside. Uh, it's criminal how little we talk about Tyler Lockett. Yep. I'm to blame. You're to blame. Everyone's to blame. But nationally. it's shocking that he doesn't get more respect than he does. All he does is come up with huge plays all the time, and he catches every ball you throw his way. It's pretty remarkable. DK kept his his cool. He took a shot to the ribs, probably got an injection to come back in and play, I'm going to guess, because those suckers are bruised. Three tight ends were phenomenal. Uh, Charbonnet was terrific, given Walker, who had some tremendous runs. And, yep. Yeah, I mean, Shane Waldron, as I tweeted after the game, especially in overtime, you could not dial and call and be a step ahead of your opponent any better than he was in the biggest moments as well. So, yeah, kudos to all of them and to, again, a defense that took the ball away three times and got you two fourth down stops. Yeah, and there's still going to be some question marks there. Like, that, that, that didn't solve all of the problems with the defense. But they did what they needed to do yesterday. They got themselves off the field. They scored some points. They set up other points. All incredibly important. And, yeah, Brock, we'll come up with some questions after this. Text message says, still can't run a screenplay. True. So why are you calling a screenplay in overtime? (laughs) Like, I got to say, that was the one thing. I was like, really? Now you're going to call a screenplay? If you want to complete the circle of toughness, why are you throwing the ball three straight times in four-minute offense? I mean, there's still going to be some head scratchers. Sure. But they got the win. They did what they needed to do in overtime. Yes, I'm a believer in quarterback wins. Always have been. Always will be. And I thought Gino did more than enough to get that done yesterday. And yes, I'm a believer in your beard. And yes, we overcame adversity. And yes, yes, we're dialed in. And yes, it's a Seahawk Monday where they win. And yes, Coach Carroll in two-plus hours. And yes, we'll talk about the baseball team, too. That's next. I'm Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it was great to see the Seahawks get a win yesterday, but more than anything, that was a great football game. I thought just a fantastic viewing experience from the beginning until the end. Really fun game. All the entertainment you would want, and a lot of folks deserve a ton of credit. We start with Trey Brown. The pick six was awesome. Devin Witherspoon thrust into the middle, came up huge. Two tackles. Backups both played incredibly well, but the guy to focus on for me is Tyler Lockett. You could choose your favorite moment. The third and ten was great. The walk-off winner was incredible, but I'll tell you what, just in terms of a catch, I thought the first touchdown was about as good as you get. Cut two. I loved what he did on this play. So here's Charbonnet, the single setback as Gino goes under center. Lockett is winged on the right side. Play fake by Gino. Going to look to the end zone. Going to lay it up over the top to Tyler. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. We were hoping number 16 would have a day today. And he is an absolutely perfect pass. Just a little rainbow drop over the top to Tyler Lockett. And the Seahawks on top now, 23-21 with 10 and a half to play. His spatial awareness is just incredible, isn't it? (laughs) It's unbelievable. 
That is a that's a common play. That's one you've seen, and it doesn't matter if it's Daryl Bevel or Shoddy or or Shane Waldron. That's a familiar concept. You want to run a lot of traffic across the field when you get down there. Guys get mixed up, right? The, the space down in the phone booth of the red zone, everything gets tighter. And if you can knock a body off, and you know what? Credit Detroit. They they were all over Tyler on that play. It took a perfect throw. It took tremendous body control. It took strong hands as the defenders trying to rip that ball away. And Tyler and DK and the tight ends and Gino and they all had themselves one heck of a day. Thirty-seven points. Right, the opening drive of the second half did more than they did the whole second half a week ago. Put on an absolute show when they needed them to, Mike. The numbers tell you you go zero and two, you have about a ten percent chance to make the playoffs. Those are what the numbers will tell you. The fact that you're one and one and right back in the mix in this NFC, especially on the road in Detroit. That one may come into play as it did a year ago when you made the playoffs and they didn't. What a great ball game. Yeah, and it wasn't just what the offense did. Obviously, they were the you know more impressive unit, but the defense did quite a bit. Cut six. Pete Carroll proud of how they played and where they're going. We're just getting started, and it just takes a while to get it rolling. Uh, I was thrilled to see the, the big play, the impact play right off the bat at the start of the third quarter. I mean, think the absolute opposite of what happened last week, you know, when uh, we jumped down scoring a couple plays, and away we go. Here we go, you know, and um, just very timely and, and just very fortunate that we got that done. Here's the second thing you need to know. I don't know if you need to know this, but it was a pretty ugly weekend for the Mariners. They were swept at home by what appeared to be a clearly superior Dodgers team. LA's good. They really are. It's a really well-built team in every part of the game. They showed their might Friday. They showed their might yesterday. The game to win was Saturday. And I I know people are frustrated because Scott didn't bunt. The Mariners don't bunt. Most teams don't bunt. I thought they played well enough to win that game. Unfortunately, every single little dinky hit fell in for the Dodgers. Mariners couldn't come up with the clutch hit when they needed to, and you end up losing in extras. Pitching looks tired. The hitting has come back to earth. But the good news, Brock, this weekend didn't really matter. What matters is what you do next. You got three in Oakland starting tonight, and then the real deal, 10 to finish against the Rangers and Astros. Scott Service knows that's what matters. I believe in our club. I've seen us go so good for so long. It's in there. We've got to play two good weeks of baseball to get into October, and then anything can happen from there. And I believe we got it in us. It's two weeks. It's 13 games. We'll be okay. we just got to get it going back in the right direction again, get the momentum rolling uh, with us. Yeah, the challenge is it was just 45,000 rocking, just packing the park out. It was a measuring stick to see. Yeah, you're right. The Dodgers are a World Series contender. The Braves are a World Series contender. The, the Rays, when you played them recently, you know, they're a World Series contender. And when you matched up against them, it's been the same little bugaboo, man. As you said, there was some BABIP. On average, of balls in play. There were some duck farts that landed for the Dodgers. But you can't go four for 33 with runners in scoring position. You just can't. Not, not against good teams. When you get traffic on the bases, you got to put pressure. When you get 45,000 in your building, you got to give them something to cheer about. And you go four for 33 with runners in scoring position over the weekend, you're going to go 3-2-1 sweep. As in, score three runs Friday, two runs Saturday, one run yesterday, and it just wasn't enough against a tremendous ball club. Well, the good news is the other tremendous teams in your division didn't play so tremendously either. Texas swept in uh, Cleveland, and then Houston lost two out of three to Kansas City. Toronto certainly took care of Boston, but it was just, 
it's amazing how bizarre and streaky these teams have been. Just when you think you got the division figured out, everything changes. So off to Oakland and then Texas for what promises to be an interesting final road trip of the season. Here's the third thing you need to know. Hey, Brock, are the Huskies for real? They sure look like it. I mean, I don't know what else they could do. They've played three games. They completely dismantled the Spartans on the road in East Lansing on Saturday. Michael Penix, 27 of 35 for 473 and four scores. Dude. Yeah, that's a pretty good day at the Dude. office. UTub remains number eight. No one ahead of them lost. But I don't know if there was a more impressive win of the seven teams ahead of them either, was there? ESPN has this stat called game control. It, it, it takes in kind of like some of these ballpark effects and, and other factors and kind of next level stuff of who you're playing, the talent you're playing, the quality of opponent. And they're number one in game control. Over the course of this season, they have, to the eye, look like the best team in college football because they finally sulk matched their defense you know when i was in town i went out and watched those guys practice and if you were with me you'd be like i don't know dude rome and jalen and Penix, they, they're not getting anything going i mean there's an incompletion there's a three and out the defense had a day well the defense is has stepped their game up that wasn't just a one-day camp aberration the way they played complementary to their dynamic offense and if they can do that Right, they can take the ball away. They can shut out opponents. They can stuff opponents, and they can give Penix and crew extra at-bats. They are a contender. They are a playoff contender. If their defense can continue to stay healthy, they're thin. They're thinner on that side than they are on offense. So if they can stay healthy, they can complement that offense. Yeah, you are talking about some big, big things on the horizon I'm on Lake. Cougs destroy Northern Colorado. They move up a couple of spots to number 21. And then uh, the game everybody was talking about, Colorado and Colorado State. Did it uh, live up to the hype? Uh, kept me up till 2.40 a.m. on the East Coast. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Did it live up to the hype? I don't know, like 16 unsportsmanlikes. I mean, it's just nuts. It was nutsville. And uh, Shadour had to go 97 yards down eight in the final couple minutes. Did it? He delivered. What? Yeah, what a what a phenomenal game. And now they're 20-point underdogs going to Oregon. 20-point underdogs, 3-0. Going out to Eugene this weekend, SC the following wow. week. Now it gets real in conference play. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know, quarter past every hour, here on the Brock and Salk Show. Do you think Colorado's for real, or do you think they get spanked once they start playing conference? I think it's going to get a lot tougher. They're just they're thin, and they lost uh, their their stud two way player. I'm going to guess ribs or spleen or something really really ugly as he took a cheap shot uh, running down the sidelines. So yeah, it's going to get it. The road's going to get a little tougher. They're not going to go 12 and 0, and uh, there's going to be some that can't wait to say, "Do you believe?" You know, after maybe losses mm. to Oregon and SC, but I'm not doubting that QB's got a lot of confidence. Man, his son way better than I thought. Watching him at Jackson State and three-star guy. Didn't do any of the Elite 11 stuff. I kind of wondered and thought about Shadur. That dude's got serious stones. Confidence like his pops. Gets hit and comes right back up. And to your point, has elevated people around him. Kind of like the QB in this town did yesterday. And then was that his other son running back a touchdown? Shiloh, I believe, yes. Unbelievable. I wonder if that moved him up on the kid rankings. No, he was number one on the kid rankings. Oh, he already was. He said that it was helping him rise. And then he said everyone that says they don't rank their kids is lying. (laughs) So coming up next, Salk and I will rank our kids. We might might rank each other's kids. I asked you guys to do it last week. Yeah. I can rank my kids. You want me to rank my kids? Yeah, sure. we'll do it next. It's Brock yeah. and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.
You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Gino going to throw a dart. He's got Metcalf. He is inside the one-yard line. Walker gets a handoff again. Touchdown, Seahawks. He's golf with the shotgun snap. Ball is knocked away. Getting his hand in there was Witherspoon. Welcome, young man. Bob wants to throw. Hot is intercepted. Trey Brown. Touchdown, Seahawks. The kick is good, so we go to OT, tied at 31. Gino is looking, looking. Now he throws far side. It's Lockett. It's over, yes. baby. Tyler Lockett, my <laughs> hero. Seahawks win 37 to 31. What a game by these Seahawks. Man, that Wyman sound is just hysterical. Yes. Yes. Like just the the <laughs> the power with which he said it is just great. Uh, there's a lot just in that quick little montage to focus on, Brock, and uh, see if we can kind of run through a few things that jumped out to us before we do a full slate of takeaways coming up an hour from now at 8.30. Let's start with the kid. Let's start with Witherspoon. I mean, he, he was the number five pick, a guy we spent a lot of time last week talking about the decision to take a cornerback over a defensive tackle, and it didn't look great in week one. But we knew we hadn't seen him yet, and kind of what does he look like when he finally gets out there? What'd you think? How'd he play? Man, I was impressed. Color me impressed. And I, and I believe it was the first series of the game or second series of the game where a ball bounced out his way. And I know KJ got on the edge of his seat wherever he was, right? You, you know, that, and he gave you those eyes. And he's going to give the, actually the television the eyes that he gave you the other day of intensity, like, here it comes. Okay, here it comes. Ball, ball finds you. In baseball, when you put someone new on the field, ball finds you. Put a rookie out there, ball finds you. And guess what? That ball bounced out to him, and he corralled that running back and got him to the ground like that. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it wasn't one of them shots. It wasn't a, a highlight reel. It wasn't like snap his head back. But you could see just that twitch and that violence that just kind of it has a stopping power at 180-some pounds. And I was like, yeah, boy, that's it. That's it. Right there, kid. That's how you start. That's how you may – and Bobby and the veterans and Quandre, I'm sure, were like, yep, okay, here we go. I mean, he didn't have preseason games. Did He, he didn't have a, a live practice. He didn't get to do – the last time that he did that, full live, to the ground, he was wearing an Illini uniform last December, right? I mean, that's how long it had been for full-on contact like that. So th- that jumped out to me. And then I'll give you a little a little stat that the old Western Kentucky Hilltoppers dropped on me, one I hadn't re- really heard before. And their D coordinator's like, we judge knockouts. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, this is good. And pulled out my yellow legal pad. Okay, what, what's, a, what's a knockout? Tyson Summers, D coordinator, Western Kentucky. And he's like, it's, it's very simple. When we get nine knockouts a game, we win. We're 14 and 0. Um, when we get nine knockouts with our defense, as much as our offense scores, we get nine knockouts, we win. And a knockout is obviously a takeaway. A knockout is a sack. A knockout is a fourth down stop. Do you know that uh, Devin had two knockouts by himself on fourth down? He is in one-on-one coverage on fourth down on both of those. And he makes a tremendous play on the first one to not go through the tight end, get the long arms out, and get him off the field. I mean, that was that was him. And how many times in last week did we see – Oh, I don't know. Puka Nakua in a one-on-one, tight end in a one-on-one, where they made every one of those plays, Salk. And this was fourth down stakes on the line, get the ball back. And then he did the same later in the game. In the second half, they go for it. And it's a deep over, and and their feet get tangled. Why do their feet get tangled? Because he's right on his hip. 
right? He has the speed and the awareness and the closing ability, and he's not hesitating. He's not like, oh, let me just keep the guy in front of me. Oh, let me just play my technique. That dude is a dog, and he wants to go get the ball and knock it away. So he himself, right there, had two knockouts. Trey Brown <laughs> had, what, three knockouts. I mean, with, with, a, with a sack and a pick in a, in a takeaway. And, oh, by the way, we score on that as well. So between your two corners, according to the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, five knockouts themselves, that's winning football. Hmm. So I, I, you know, I know the whole Jalen Carter and here's a pressure and here's a big play. Go ahead and compare, Dave, go ahead and compare Jalen Carter's impact in the game he played the other night on Thursday night with yeah. Devin Witherspoon's impact. Well, he certainly was impactful. There's no doubt. I'm sort of laughing about the knockout stat. They're like, yeah. Hey, when we come up with 10 sacks, five forced turnovers, no, 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 and no, four just fourth nine. downs, like, we absolutely win every one of those games. Just, like, yeah, no kidding. No, just, just nine of them. You uh, know, just w- one sack counts as a knockout. And guess right. how many they had Saturday in that game? I think they had two knockouts. I'm going to guess they didn't have too many knockouts against two. Ohio they State, but it's an two. interesting point. Um, yep. he was great. Do I think that a cornerback is more valuable than a defensive lineman? No. I remain unconvinced. But it absolutely was nice to see him out do there. Do they win that game without thing. him? I mean, do they win that game without him? Tyreek goes out in the first quarter. Flat. So now you're talking Mike Jack and Trey. Yeah. You know, you've got both backups in. I, I, I don't know, quite honestly, I don't know if you win that game without him. You could probably say the same about a number of individuals. And Pete, I'm sure in two hours is going to tell us, hey, man, you kind of missed the mark on so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so because Uchenna played a phenomenal game. You know, a tackle for loss, fumble, a, a pressure, a tackle for loss, a pressure. I mean, he was he was tremendous as well. Bobby coming downhill in that run game. Okay, here, I'll give you a number. You want another number? Not a Western Kentucky Hilltopper number. Do you want another Seahawk number? Last year, how many yards per carry did they allow on the season? God, it had to be like four, seven, four, eight. Four, nine. Four, nine. Okay. A season ago, the Seahawks' run defense Oof. allowed 4.9 yards almost per five yards carry. per carry. Every time. So basically, if the other team had just run the ball every time, they Correct. only would have needed two downs. Yes. Believe, believe that was 30th in the NFL. 4.9. Hard to believe there were two teams worse. Through two games this season, the Seahawks are third in the NFL. And this isn't, oh, well, we play just past happy teams. The Rams and Sean McVay want to run the ball. Mm -hmm. They drafted Jameer Gibbs very high, best offensive line in the league, want to pound the football. And and David Montgomery, who you knocked out of that game as well, um, you know, they're going to want to strive for balance. So it wasn't as if you play two sisters of the poor when it comes to running the ball in the league. Where do they rank in the NFL right now? Third. What are they giving up yards per carry? 2.9. Wow. 2.9. That won't sustain. This is the 49ers led the whole NFL last year at like 3.3 year in and year out. Usually the best in the league is right around there, 3.3, 3.4 yards a carry. I mean, it, you're not going to be less than three on the season, but my goodness gracious, first two weeks out, if the plan and, and, and the strategy and, and your personnel was to stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. So what, what's been the difference there then, Brock? I mean, it, it, you know, I've watched him. I don't know that I see them do anything necessarily great, but they're not giving up a lot of yards. What is it? First quarter, run of eight. 
first carry of the Detroit, like run of eight. Right. Like, and, and I'll tell you what, I was sitting there going, uh-oh. Yep. You're giving up the next run, run a six. You're giving up six or eight yards to carry on the road. Uh-oh. Yep, they're blowing you off the ball. They're moving you. You're not tackling. And then, you know, the, you know what the difference is, Salk? A one, a negative three, a four, a negative three, a five, a one, a four, a negative three. But what are they doing to make that happen? I mean, what do you see from that defensive front that's allowing that to happen? They're not getting blown off the ball. The wash at Ocean Shores is not getting to the second level. You're actually allowing Bobby and Jordan to be foot flat-footed or come downhill. They're not getting pushed backwards or running sideways because there's so many people in front of them. They are sticking to a lot of that four down with two D linemen and two edges. Now, they did play some Mario Edwards, and he made a couple nice plays. So they got into some of that bare front periodically and and you know when the formation or the personnel called for it. But, yeah, they're active. Their corners are tackling. They're, you're just not giving up. Part of the reason you give up 4.9, Salk, is if you remember, there's a 40-yard run. Oh, get by the safety. Oh, there's a 50-yard run. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a 35-yard run. Longest run they gave up yesterday was 16. 16. So you limit explosive runs. You get your guys at the second level to, like Bobby and Jordan, to trigger and have an opportunity. And Salk, you start putting ones and ones and negative threes and negative threes and ones and twos and negative ones and zero and zero and two. What happens to the play caller on the other side? He's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting anything. So let me just throw it. I'm not getting anything. So let me just throw it. If I get hit in the face, second, first play of the second half, and Uchenna comes in and puts his face in the fan and gets you, a man, negative three and a fumble. I, I said yesterday, I was feeling it. That might end up being the play that changed the Seahawks season. But we'll see what down happens. 14, I don't, I, down I don't 14, know where it goes. Seven. They're down at that point. Detroit's got the ball. I mean, the way the whole end of the half went, it could have gone very differently, right? Detroit has the ball to start off. And you force that fumble and then go down and score in the other end. I thought that was an incredibly impactful play. Obviously, Trey Brown with the pick six is huge. Yes. Obviously, Tyler Lockett's two touchdowns were enormous. Geno's play. I mean, like, there's a bunch of ways to point in this game. But if you're looking for another one, Jenebs might have been the play that just changes the direction of this season because it's the first time that defense really rose up and showed something. Yes. Yeah, they got the splash plays. The fumble, the splash play, the interception, the splash play, the other fumble before half, that was just kind of a fluky deal. But the other two were huge, impactful splash plays. You make a couple of those a game, and now you're not going to get two or three turnovers every game. It doesn't work that way in this league. But if you get a splash play on top, Salk, on top of fundamentally, foundationally stopping the run, right? We just wanted, hey, man, just, just get to the teens, if this defense is just somewhere in the teens, right, with an offense that should be able to score, you know, for, for three of the four uh, halves that this offense has played, the ball has gone up and down the field. Right. Jason has missed three field goals. I mean, you should have nine more points added. So in the first half of the opener, up and down the field. Really, both halves, the ball is moving six of nine times. You, you're, you, you should score points. But you miss two field goals. Five other times you score. <laughs> Multitude of touchdowns in the red zone. I mean, you're foundationally doing things. And then if you hold opponents anywhere near under, frankly, four yards a carry. Mm-hmm. If you just hold them under four yards a carry, 
You're closing the gap with the Niners, man. So, so, so that's very technical. Let me go the other direction for another couple minutes before we get back to Blue 88. And that is motivation, which was something that was questioned last week, right? Were they properly motivated in that game? I think motivation comes from a lot of spots, and I can point to two. Let's start with the inside the locker room. Bobby Wagner, Pete Carroll afterwards, saying that Bobby played an enormous role in getting this team ready this week. You know, um... <clears throat> I'll tell you, until Bobby said something, I mean, I, I had not had the impact that I wanted to uh, Monday, Tuesday to get to Wednesday. And then Bobby called him up on Wednesday and just hit him right between the eyes. And uh, we just flipped instantly. I mean, from the time he talked to him till we turned it around, it was over and done with. And we were on to this game, which is what we're supposed to do on Wednesday. I just didn't get it done. He got it done for us. So uh, it doesn't matter <laughs> how we figure it out. But uh um, that was a pivotal moment for us, for sure it was. And they all heard him and listened and did exactly what he asked them to do. And uh, that's leadership. Wow. Dude, 14 years, have we heard that? I've never heard that. that I've is... never heard Pete Carroll say he couldn't motivate anybody. Well, it's just, it's it's one thing to hear coach's voice, Salk. It, it, and that's transparency and vulnerability. No other mm-hmm. coach says that either. No. No other coach is ever going to do that and be that vulnerable and that honest and that transparent with you. And to just say, yeah, man, I, I could try. I rose my voice. and and But it isn't until the actual alpha, <laughs> the actual lion of this group mm. roars. Well, as much as that may have helped, I wonder if the Detroit Lions helped as well. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was largely invisible, I thought, in that game and was unable to provoke D.K., uh, decided that they wanted to be villains and they needed to wear bright blue ski masks after the game, Trey Brown, cut 12, was asked about those masks and what he thought of them. Ah, uh, man, if that's what they want to do, whatever whatever their motto is, that's their motto. I didn't really understand it, but uh, you know, I was like, hey, whatever whatever you guys want to do, you know, uh, to get you guys going, you know, for the crowd to follow. You know, everybody got some things, so, you know, we got the 12s, you know, we the 12s are behind us, they motivate us. So if they felt like the mask was to motivate the, uh, the crowd to get everybody going, more power to him. Well, I don't know whether it made any sense to me either. So I'm right with Trey, and I thought that was a very nice diplomatic answer. But if you had a chance to see Jarek Reed's Instagram live after the game in the locker room, while he's wearing one of those blue ski masks, it sounded kind of like this. You catch that one, Brock? Not really. Uh-uh. I'm trying. <laughs> what did he say? What do you mean, what did he say? You can't what? hear him? <laughs> I kind of can. Well, what is it? Justin, give it to me one more time. Well, give me one more. <laughs> Why do you open your trap? No, they took over their trap. Actual song, Justin has it in here. Oh, there's an actual song. Yeah, absolutely. Walk in your trap, take over your trap. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, their version's pretty spot on. 
Like, if they need – who sings that? Who is that? If they need backup, I would think calling the Seahawks, like, you know, they called San Francisco 49ers to be on Huey Lewis's Hip to Be Square album. Like, <laughs> to me, it seems like a natural fit. Get those guys out there. Put them in the music video. Scantha and let's rock anthem. and roll. Scantha be anthem. Scantha be anthem. It's time for some Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox's Blue 88. Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Saul. Brock, no Charles Cross, no Abe Lucas, and Jason Peters certainly wasn't ready yet. And yet, no problems whatsoever from the two backup tackles. Why? They did an awesome, awesome job, from my perspective, of, uh, of keeping those defenders down the middle. When Pete said on the other side a week ago, a lot of their rushes, right? They were just in the middle of guys. They could not get to the edges. When they blitzed, it was just too much down the middle. Time and again, I went back and rewound, like, okay, how, how are you doing this? How are you keeping Aiden and that crew off? How is Stone doing this? And those are big body dudes now. I mean, Stone is an enormous, Huge. enormous human being. He walks through that door right there to your right, and he's blotting out the door. So your job and your task at that size is to just keep yourself in front of the defender. And I thought both he and Kerhan just did a terrific job with all of their sets and all of the different plays. It started from the jump, Salk. It started from that opening series touchdown drive to the final, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end. And those guys on the first drive and the final drive, more than any other time, just kept their big old body right in front of that guy. Did they get blown back a little bit? Sure. Does every tackle in this league get blown back? Absolutely, especially on the road in a hostile environment like that. But there was a clear, and give Coach Dickerson, the O-line coach, a bunch of credit. He's developed these guys. So they've been here for years. Right, this shouldn't have been maybe as big a surprise, and Pete kind of alluded to it. Everybody counted us out because we got backup tackles. Well, these aren't backup rookie tackles. These aren't backup tackles off the streets. These aren't backup tackles that don't know what we're doing. They have been here for year after year after year doing the work behind the scenes. And give them a gold star for putting those big old bodies right in front of the rushers did, yesterday. Did they do anything scheme-wise to help them out? Yeah, they, they, they did a bunch ends, of – sure, they of used stuff. some three tight ends. And you saw one time, I think it was – was it Parkinson or Disley that just knocked the air out of the lungs of Hutchinson on a chip? You know, where he just put his his shoulder pad right into the rib cage, totally legal on a little chip. But I didn't see. Yeah, I mean, there was just the normal attention that you're going to pay to quality ends. But they got an empty. They got no open edges. They got into play action. They did a lot of different things, and those guys did not miss a beat. All right, question number two. Pass coverage was a disaster in week one. How was it yesterday? They were contested. And I know the numbers are not gaudy, and Jared Goff threw for a bunch of yards, although he threw his first interception and 370 passes to Trey, and it wasn't just a little interception. It was a pick sixer. But you know what it was compared to week one? They were contested. And that's all you can ask for in this league. Okay, we got such a hyper focus on our own team every single week. But if you watch around the league, everybody throws the ball. Right? There's open guys every single week. That the, the, the rules call for it. Uh, the systems are pretty darn good. There's a lot of elite quarterbacks and elite wide receivers. But at least be there. Be on the ball. Don't just give up gimme after gimme after gimme after gimme. And, yeah, they may place. Right, Julian Love, I don't know how. 
that tight end catches that ball. Ooh. I mean, what Julian Love, is he's on him. He's ripping his arms. There's nothing more than he can do. Right, Kobe Bryant, same thing. He, he is right in the lap of, of Amon Ra. Like, just you're right there. So they gave up yards. They didn't win as many maybe contested one-on-ones and 50-50s as they would like to, and that's why Goff threw for a bunch of yards. But at least everything was contested, uh, knocking balls away. And, that, and they did it again without without their Pro Bowl corner who goes out early in Woolen. Guys don't hang their head. Trey Brown steps right up and has the game of his life sacks and tackles and 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 forced fumble and interception pick six yeah pretty pretty cool to see those guys get the message and we're gonna get beat this in this game you're gonna get beat but can we make it hard and difficult and can we contest and give and not just give them things but contest everything much much better job week two all right question number three to the college ranks michael Penix, another 470 yard performance against a legitimate power five school albeit one dealing with a little bit of a challenge at the head coaching spot at the moment some upheaval but yeah brock where is he at in terms of heisman candidacy well caleb williams had a bye week so the the stage was his to go on the road in the big 10 now unfortunately it was on peacock so it wasn't as if it was a primetime game that everybody got to see him once again throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns but he's right there. I mean, he is on the medal stand, gold, silver, bronze. If it were to end today, he's going to be in New York City, right? He is, I think he's still second in Heisman odds. Some of the others, Drake May, have fallen off a little bit. Others have kind of risen up. Uh, what when if he yours, beats Caleb Williams? Well, that's what he's going to have to do. I mean, if he beats Caleb Williams, can he yes. win the Heisman? And they go to the college football playoff? Yeah. Yes. Yes. They go 11-1. and one. Because they're not going to go twelve and zero, but they go twelve and zero. He's going to win the Heisman. They go eleven and one, but that one loss is not Caleb Williams. And you outplay him, and you play great, and you throw for five thousand yards and forty touchdowns, and you're eleven and one in the college football playoff, or twelve and one in that case, because you'd have to maybe beat Caleb twice in the Pac-12 title game, or Bo Nix, or Cam Rising, or whomever it is. There's going to be ample opportunity. There is no shortage of opportunity of quality opponents. Pac-12 still against non-conference, best in college football. Superstar power and a lot of quarterback positions. Schedule sets up with DJ Uyongale and Bo Nix and Caleb Williams. And, yep, it's it's all there. So he continues to do this. He will be in New York City. And if he were to win those games, he very, very may, well may win the whole enchilada. Unbelievable. All right, there you go. That is today's Blue 88 once I saw, saw a commercial yesterday that referenced Blue 42. I got a little chuckle what? out of that. Yeah. Well, kind that, of old what, school. I mean, wasn't that around? Wasn't that the mountains turned blue at 42? I know. Yeah, yeah but some, like was some quarterback it was like, oh, yeah, I'd like to give it a Blue 42. Really? So, interesting. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I got to remember what that was for. It had something to do with blue, I think, was the reason they were talking about it. So let's see if I can. Maybe somebody else will remember. You can text us, 866-979-3776. That, of course, is the Mac and Jack's text line. All right, we'll shift gears before we come back to a lot more football. We've got uh, takeaways at 8.30. we got Pete Carroll coming up at 9.30 this morning. Before we get there, Brock is going to try to make an errant point about the Mariners. It's next on Brock and Salk.